filmmaker Jason Baffa and professional surfer Chris Del Moro are set to release their latest film project, set entirely in Italy and tracing the lineage of Chris's family and the surf culture of the region. Here are Jason and Chris introducing Bella Vita at a screening in Santa Monica, California. You know, Chris and I started talking about this in 2011 on a trip to Bali where we were both just hanging out with our girls, having fun. And even though it's a movie about Italy and we should have been having Chianti and Pasta Pomodoro, we were having Bintang and Nasi Goreng. And we shared stories about both our fathers being Italian. And at the time, I was looking to do a new film. And, um, and Chris, I think, through conversation, kind of said, wow, what, what do you think about this? And um, the more I talked to him and the more I got to get into his head and learn about his experiences and his friends in Italy, I, I realized there was potential to do something which I felt could be really unique and a little different than the other films I've done for the surf genre, and yet still have you know some of those sensibilities and things that I love about making these movies. And um, luckily, he kind of said, "Let's do this," and and I was on board. You know, three months in Italy, you'd be an idiot to not want to take that. Right? <laughs> good food, good wine. All right, the family will come over. Um, but it couldn't have been done alone, and uh, I, I commandeered three close friends on Tulay, Scott Grice and Greg Schultz, to really help bring all this craziness together. We need to give them a big round. Thank you guys so much. It, it's an honor, honestly, to get to make movies and share them with you. And uh, I give you the star, Bella Vita, Chris Del Moro. to have the support, uh, to actually have this film done. There's a lot of um, sweat, blood, and tears that went into this project, and, and it all is for the higher good. I, I really believe that the project, uh, all in all, is, is one that is giving Italy um, a bit of light and a bit of love right now. They're going through some really tough economic times, and I can feel that in my family and my friends, and that's one thing I think that's really special that's coming out of this project is Italians are reconnected. Not that they never lost their, you know, Italian passion, but it's like, yeah, we have an amazing thing going, and we don't always have to go to California, to the Maldives, to get the surf culture. Like it's right in our backyard, and, and that's really. This was a dream I've had for since I was a kid. You know, the first time I went surfing in Italy, I thought, well, this is, you know, I love California surf culture with the passion. It's, it's me. It's you know, what, who I am. It's made me who I am. But Italian cultures also has this amazing story. And, and um, I think one, just to give you a little insight of working alongside Jason that I think was really interesting is I was kind of nervous. These are all my friends and people that I've known since I was a kid. And I'm bringing over all these people. They don't really know, friends of mine from around the world. And Jason and I decided to go for basically two weeks before. We had no budget. We just decided, let's do this, let's start. And it was the best thing that could have happened for the project because we got there. We had two bicycles, we had you know, our hearts and our soul, and we just started hitting the pavement and trying to capture the end of the summer season before it turned into winter. And through that, we got to know everybody. They got comfortable with them. We had nights out, you know, eating, drinking, surfing, doing the whole thing. And by the two weeks, everyone trusted them and loved them. And it really made the whole project worth it. So we hope you enjoy the film. Thank you so much for coming out. Thanks for everyone who helped, and have a wonderful night. Thank you.
Welcome to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. Today's episode, we have a conversation with filmmaker Jason Baffa about the variety of films that he's made and work that he's done in the surf industry, and then specifically about this latest project, Bella Vita. I actually screened the film the night after Jason and I recorded this interview and was blown away by it. It's a beautiful piece of work, and uh, calling it a surf film really isn't doing it justice. It is a film in and of itself that happens to feature surfing fairly prominently, but it really features Italy as the main character, and it's kind of a love story about Italy, if you will. And, um, and I highly recommend seeing it, so much so that Surf Splendor is actually going to be hosting a screening of the film in Southern California. Uh, the exact location and date is yet to be determined, but it looks like it's going to be in Huntington Beach or Long Beach uh, in late September. So if you're local and you'd like to attend, we would love to have you. Go to our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, where the details will be posted uh, as soon as they are finalized. So thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoy today's interview with Jason Baffa. Let's talk about your background a little bit. I know just reading on your website, you actually have a film education background which is yeah i think unusual for a lot of surf video or surf filmmakers yeah so uh, can you kind of walk me through that what is your educational background i i do have a bachelor of fine arts in film production from loyola marymount right here which kind of brought me to the south bay i grew up in los angeles and um you know film was something i was i was exposed to before surfing actually which maybe a lot of people don't know my cousin is a working director of photography and he's about seven or eight years older. So when we were little kids, he was already doing student projects. I was six or seven. Oh, okay. And exposed to him setting. I remember he had this wolf that was a puppet, and he was doing a stop-motion Super 8 movie where he was animating the wolf and frame by frame. You know? Wow. And it was a, an early class for him. And at that moment, I'm like, this is what I want to do. I really, it just, it hit me like lightning. And my parents were super supportive. I had, I had a grandma who bought me a Super 8 camera okay. probably that next Christmas. So I had my first camera when I was around seven. Oh my gosh. And I just started making little movies. And I took classes at um, the Art Center in Pasadena and summer classes. And I was lucky enough to go to a high school that had a pretty... Um, pretty defined tv curriculum for production Mm -hmm. um i look at the guys who and girls i went to school with at high school age and they're now producing survivor and agents and so it it really a lot of us stuck with it um what sidetracked me once i got to lmu was that my surf obsession fully took over because i was here and i was surfing every day where when i was a kid it was a little more of an effort or it was summers that we spent down in uh Orange County, and I was doing a lot more body surfing back then because no one in my immediate family really surfed. And sort of as I was growing up with my interest in film, the the surfing thing started happening kind of high school, late high school. And it's actually, was actually Rich Coffin, who is Connor and Parker's dad, uh, who then was dating my sister. 
who got me on my first board, like up at Malibu, he had a Velzy and we, we took that out and, and I was hooked as many of us have gotten hooked, you know? That's an interesting connection. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rich has uh, done some pretty neat things uh, for the surfing world, I guess, for those who enjoy my movies and those who enjoy watching his kids surf. He's just, yeah. he shared his love for surfing right. with a lot of people, you know? And What's it, his background? What does he do for work? Uh, the Coffin family, my sister and Rich build homes, so oh, they're okay. in Santa Barbara, and um, and I think that's allowed them to be flexible. They own their own business. So they got married then. They got married, yeah. They, got they started dating when they were 15. I was seven, and um, he he's like my big brother. I have two older sisters, and he's always been there, and... Uh, you know, they, they've gone on and, and created their world up there and we're still close as a family. So it's been fun to have the little guys come up and, uh, and now do what they're doing in the surfing world. Cause you know, it's fun to just share surfing with the little people in your life. And, mm-hmm. and now for them to really kind of be putting their stamp on what they do is, is exciting. And that was part of the reason why w- when a new project came along, it's like, wow, I got to get these guys involved. They're my nephews. You Completely. Know? Yeah. So it's a very kind of long roundabout answer to your question. But um, I did study film and, and it's my first love. You yeah. Know? I, I think I think if you look at my movies, I'm probably more a frustrated narrative film director than a surf filmmaker. But I love surfing. So it keeps right. pulling me back as a as a subject matter. You know, sure. What about your professional background? Obviously, a um, couple of surf films that we'll talk about, but yeah. have you worked in film outside of the surf industry? Yeah, I, I was very focused in more of the Hollywood world right out of school and, and was able to intern at some companies and, and do those first starting jobs where you learn a lot and make connections. And, you know, the, the fun thing is that although I got sidetracked with surfing and dropped all the production for a few years and was traveling and, and just kind of pursuing art and other ways to s- sustain my surfing habit. Right. Um, I got roped back into it through some local guys in the Manhattan beach area who were starting blue torch television, okay. which was a daily action sports right. show who, for those who remember on Fox, uh, Fox sports. And, um, and that was the neat moment where I through work was able to combine my love for surfing and my production background, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the time when I was younger, the the Hollywood thing never quite clicked, and and I was always had a real independent streak. You know, I left one job to try to do a movie with some friends that was scripted. It was a narrative, and the money fell out, and uh, I was frustrated. And I'm like, I just want to travel and surf. I want to do yeah. my own thing, you know. And Blue Torch brought me back around to to really work with a bunch of people who were as passionate about making cool stuff and the sports they love, whether it was surfing, snowboarding, skateboarding, that it was kind of the light bulb went off for me. Like, wow, I can combine these things. Right. And my job or my, my boss as a producer was Mark Jeremiah, who I ended up collaborating with on one California day. Right. And we really hit it off for our love for surfing and our love for film, like literal film, you know, at a time when digital was just beginning to take over. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so he kind of helps, you know, it, it mentor me really to get back into that focus. And I left when Blue Torch ended to make Single Fin Yellow. I kind of mm-hmm. took all the money I'd saved in a Visa card mm-hmm. and bought some equipment on um, eBay and all that stuff and, and, you know, went on the road with this yellow board. So it was, it's been an interesting blend of kind of the two worlds. And, and now with Bella Vida, I'm, I'm much more in a, a world where I've been directing commercials. And, you know, at the end of the day, you, if you want to 
spend your world around surfing, it's hard as a creative person to pay the bills and do everything you got to do. And I think a lot of the photographers and filmmakers will attest that you, you end up balancing the world of what you love with some commercial work. And so that's sure. what I've been doing. And and it's fun because you meet people, you learn things, you get to play with toys that then you can apply, you know, to, exactly. to your other projects. We'll call them passion projects. Right. And uh, with Bella Vita, it, it's not only been the commercial world and people I've worked with and toys we've played with, but people way back when, when I came out of LMU have helped me. My college roommate hmm. helped transfer the film for us and gave us a deal because he's now at a certain point in his career where he can do that, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure everybody has a romance for surfing anyways, so they probably want to help. You I know? think there's a romance for surfing, and I think in particular, and it's a theme in the film for for people who maybe, or things that are are going out on a limb to, to do something because you, you're passionate about it and you right. want to just put your life into it. And I think a lot of people are, you know, you get on the treadmill and even if you love your job, it's, you know, you're checking in, checking out and it's totally. work. Anytime you get in that, it's work, you know? And, um, so I, I've definitely seen when, when people have an opportunity to be a part of something that they perceive is unique or fun or, or just, they love the inspiration behind everything that's going into it. They, um, you know, they have bent over backwards to help me and it, and it's a huge thing because you couldn't do these projects the mm -hmm. way I like to do them without that. Right. You know, I can't raise the amount of money it takes to do a high end independent documentary. Right. But if enough people chip in and help, then we can pull it off. Right. So I, it's, I'm indebted. I'm grateful. You know, it's a weird thing because, right. um, at the end, I, I think Denzel Washington said it's, it's called show business for a reason. No business, no show. You know, it's like, you can't just make these things and, yeah. Let them lose money and sure. then nobody's going to be behind it. Yeah, I mean, you're right, except that with the, di well, with the digital era, there's people who are kind of finding ways to do it. Certainly, like you said, not to the degree of nuance that you're doing it, yeah. but they're buying inexpensive DSLR yeah. cameras and then self-publishing online. Yeah. Why is it that you're sticking to you know, film as a format um, and we can kind of get more into that later, but yeah, I, you know, I, I guess I'm probably a little nostalgic, you know, we're here in the Tyler shop and, and I, I kind of have an, the same ethos as Tyler's. I, I love the history and the tradition, but I also love pushing it. So it's always finding that balance. And, you know, I, I like to ride his boards cause I think he does that with sort of, he calls it progressive traditional design, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and I feel with filmmaking, I'm always, you know, I, I look at the movies that inspired me and it, it's David Lean and Lawrence of Arabia. It's, you know, Spielberg's Raiders of the Lost Ark, very commercial film, but I could watch that movie again and again. Yeah. Um, Apocalypse Now, you know, these, these are big cinematic movies. And so I, I try to take that inspiration and say, well, how could this work in sort of our modern, you know, world of cinema goers and, Obviously, reality is a big thing, and documentaries, it's a great time for documentaries because of the new distribution. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right. It, you used to need to be rich to make a movie, and now you don't. And Co Coppola called that, I think, in the late 70s. He said, some, at some point, the technology will get to a point where anybody can have a camera and tell a story. And, um, you know, I know you talked to Dan Malloy in your last uh, podcast about kind of the difference between web, web clips and long form and look, Hollywood hasn't figured it out either. You mm -hmm. know, everybody's trying to figure it out and evolving. 
I think at the end of the day, good stories are going to be the things that carry forward long form. You right. Know? And, and maybe long form eventually will get cut back to elements of shorter form to tell a greater story. You look at episodical television, it's really kind mm-hmm. of at a heyday now. Um, and I've talked to writers who say they love that format because you have seven hours to flush it out, but you can put it in these condensed things that people can digest, you know, 45-minute shows. But even that is being best executed in new platforms, like True. like Netflix, yeah. you know, or whatever, without the constraint of... Well, I, I think the, the audiences definitely showed that they want to digest their media how they want it. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Totally. Whether that's on their phone, on their pad, on their laptop, or in a theater. Right. And I think you have you have people who like it all. People are different. You right. Know? That's definitely one thing I've learned quickly with my projects is I'm not going to make everybody happy. You know, yeah. as much as I want to. <laughs> sure. It's impossible, right? And, sure. And so... Um, at least with the distribution end of it, I know our theory on Bella Vida is we come into the release here in the next weeks is try to get it so that anyone can get it wherever they like. Sure. You know, and if you want to come to the theater, great. And if you'd rather download it or buy a DVD, great. And here it is. Right. But it's been tough and a lot of long conversations because it's such uncharted territory for everybody yep you know completely and here you have you know on this one a couple years and a good amount of money invested and you you like you're just about to birth the baby and you don't really know what hospital to go to you know <laughs> it's like you get one shot <laughs> yeah to... you kind of get one shot and kind of yeah um i mean the difference with that though i think we have all seen is is the power of this social media world and people sharing stuff that mm-hmm. if you can hit a chord then mm-hmm. the stuff does get out there you know right and, I, you know, to go back to your question, I just love movies. You know, I, I had a day yesterday where the, the family was out of town and, and I, I just watched like three movies because it's rare I get to do that now. What'd you watch? Uh, oh, God, that's probably an embarrassing answer. Okay. I, I can answer that. <laughs> but uh, it, it was whatever was right. available. You know, one of, them, right. one of them was The New Hobbit, uh, the second. Uh, okay. So I, uh, I hadn't seen that. And, you know, it... it um, and then I watched an indie doc. And then I watched a narrative feature done by a director I know based in Australia um, about surfing, but narrative. Because mm-hmm. that's always curious to me. You know, I think most surfers feel it's never really done quite right. Agreed. Yeah. And that's a whole nother conversation. Totally. Um, but actually, I thought they did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Let me ask you this. Um, you talked about films that have inspired your career. But what about surf films? Like yeah. when you grew up, what did you grow up on? I mean, first and foremost was The Endless Summer. Okay. Uh, my cousin, Andrew Gables, up in Santa Cruz, hopefully listening. And he uh, he was a guy who always rolled, rode heavy single fins and, and kind of was also the other big influence in my surfing uh, interest. And he that was like the first thing he put in my hand. He gave me Endless mm. Summer and then Five Summer Stories. So those were the two as a kid, but kind of per what else we've talked about, Big Wednesday is is probably the other most influential film hmm. about surfing in my career. And um, I think it's even had influence on my films. And um, again, you know, it's it's more about emotion and, and story and the surfing's the subtext. And I just, I find that fascinating. I think I've thought a lot about it recently because I've done a lot of interviews for the new movie and people sure. are always asking me. And I, I think for me, surfing's an emotional experience. You know, you can take any given moment of your surfing and it's like, 
oh, it's crowded. Oh, is nobody going for this wave? Ah, nobody's going. I'm going to get it. You know, mm-hmm. and you walk yourself through the emotional ride that happens even, you know, a good day at Malibu or Rincon. Am I going to get snaked? Am I going to make the section? Whatever it is. And when you kick out, if it all goes well, it's like, oh, that was, you know, insane. Yeah. And, and I love that. And, and it's almost, I think, through my films that I'm trying to give the audience a bit of that ebb and flow of emotion through whatever journey we're going on. Sure. As opposed to just hitting them with music and imagery. Right. Let's talk about some of your films or all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Single Fin Yellow was the first project. Um, I feel like that movie has had a cultural impact on surfing. You know, it's like when I don't know when I was coming up, when it came out, I guess I don't remember it making a huge splash initially, but in like talking to my friends, I don't feel like everybody was like, Hey, did you see this brand new film? But in hindsight, now, as I talk to people about it, I feel like everybody has seen it. Um, so it's kind of permeated the culture, you know, can you talk about what was the concept behind the film for those who haven't seen it? I think the concept is unique and worth discussing. And, uh, yeah, it's somewhere I read, it's called an omnibus theory of storytelling. Okay. Um, my uncle told me there was a a film about a yellow Cadillac and the Cadillac was the thread between all the characters when he heard I was making this movie. Okay. So it's been done before, but, um, I thought it would be fascinating to let a board lead the narrative. So the film follows the board around the world and introduces us to different characters. Right. And as you get to locations, you explore who they are and kind of why they're connected with surfing. And I think at the time, you know, this was post sort of Blue Torch. I was young and wanted to travel the world. And it was a little bit of me wanting to get out and see these places. And, you know, what's been neat is that the finished movie really has gone further even than we did making it you know as far as the countries that it's screened in and the people Mm -hmm. it's touched which is always an amazing thing for me with these projects and you know now with email you you hear from people and and what it's done for them and I remember one note from guys in Iraq who have a weekly film night and some San Diego guys put up single fin yellow while they were fighting and they just like wrote this beautiful email about how just much they love the movie and how it you know reminded them home but also the important things in life and wow you know you you get moments like that and that's why these things are worthwhile you know totally I, I, i get kind of goosebumps even thinking about it so it's um i think in the end it's a film that sort of shows how surfing and our love, individual love for surfing can can cross boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, all the people are from different places and they they have this simple experience on this board. And um, and kind of as an audience, you get to tag along for the ride. And, and what was neat about it, and it was always my hope, is Bonga Perkins in Hawaii said, let's take this old, you know, not old, but Tyler Hadzikian built a nine six single fin you know pretty it's behind me right now right it is yeah i'm nervous talking about it while it's sitting there staring at me right but, um you know he said let's put this thing in some waves and definitely pipe and backdoor would not be the first place you'd want to paddle this board out yeah but um it gave the movie a climax which yeah. you know was really neat and you know in the surf movies it's like well we'll put the big waves at the end that's sort of like the climax sure. the best session and um, this gave it a climax, but it like worked within the emotion of the, the movie in, in mm-hmm. a way that I didn't even, I think, foresee. It just kind of came together. Um, Was that the last segment shot as well? Yeah, we, we basically, you know, I had to go over there a few times and um, 
the, the pipe scene was pretty much the last surf scene shot. I thought he was going to break it and that would be the end of the movie. I'm like, yeah, oh, I'll break it in half. We'll put it in a trash can. It'll be this like bittersweet ending. Yeah, you know, yeah. Some kid will grab it and we'll wonder if he's going to glass it and, you know, let, let it ride again. But it didn't, you know, and he kind of had this, I guess, quasi-heroic moment on pretty difficult uh, circumstances. And we did come back and shoot Tyler seeing the board for the first time after it had journey you know he kind of sends it off after he makes it right and he surfed it and so those were the last things shot in sequence right. which as you know in hollywood you don't do but sure um sometimes you do with documentaries sometimes you don't i mean i definitely like playing with the narrative so that i feel it works best for the audience yeah so shooting things in sequence isn't always something i'm even worried about right let me ask you um about the cast of characters because that's become a really important thing in all of your films i would say they're always an eclectic group of people and they're oftentimes people that i think some of us orange county la americans haven't heard of before so how do you go about selecting the cast of characters yeah it's i mean you it's hard you know and and there's a lot of interesting people out there and i i almost go off of um my relationships with other people and talk to them and singlefin was such that i really did want each person to share the board with someone special to them mm. so the board first goes to bo young tyler had just been at the puerto escondido longboard two riding contest that used to do years ago and bo was charging and i remember you know tyler charges pretty heavy surf out front here he's like oh, i was so impressed by you know this kid bo young from australia and I had met Bo uh, during the Blue Torch days. You mm-hmm. know, my time there, I covered a lot of surf contests, shortboarding and longboarding. Longboarding was sort of more my passion. And I got to know Bo, and I met Bonga. And so I had met, you know, Devin Howard and some of these right. guys. And Devin Howard, I mean, he's a guy that I think has influenced more surf films. You know, someday that'll come out how much he's worked with a lot of filmmakers and helped them navigate. You right. Know? Um, and so it's kind of talking to those guys and finding out, you know, Bo was like, oh, David Kinoshita in Japan is a great guy and he's a beautiful surfer. And, you know, it just really, that one was pretty organic. And I knew I wanted someone in different parts of the world. You know, that was a big part of the, the movie for me. And, yeah. And really, I don't even know if I got as far as I was hoping. Sure. But between time and budget, you kind of, you know, you take what you get. Um, and it was important to have a girl. You know, Daisy at the time had won a few world titles longboarding. And, yeah. And um, I thought, you know, integrating... It's it's like I just wanted a nice cross section of where surfing was at the time for longboarding. Okay, and um, and so kind of by incorporating those different people from different places, they all sort of represented different parts of the scene. I guess. Yeah. Um, One California Day was even harder, you know. And yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. What's the concept for One California Day? I mean, if if Singlefin Yellow is is kind of about the board, and the board takes us around this global trip. And, and you kind of see how surfing goes beyond borders. I think One California Day is about the place and sort of looking inward to appreciating where you live and where you're from and the history that goes into it. And for myself and Mark Jeremias, that's California. You know, I've been here my whole life. And um, as much as I love traveling, you come home and you're like, ah, this is a pretty, totally, this is a pretty sweet darn place we live in. Um, and so we, we tried to come up with um, a paradigm on how we could explore that. Okay. And I think early on, our our goal was really, gosh, can we get the great spots as good as they get? Like, what would it take to pull that off? Sure. And there were conversations of 
things we've now seen years later that would have been hard to execute then on having a team of camera people all out on one day and trying to get it, you know, and there was a day in the life series photo book that I'd seen that kind of helped inspire all that. Okay. And, um, a bunch of photographers would shoot New York or LA and that, you, know, you can still find them. They're beautiful. And so Mark and I talked about that and he and I both love story and people and getting a little more in people's heads and, mm-hmm. and especially with the nostalgia and kind of this idea of, you know, we are in a moment where we've been influenced and we're also influencing others through our surfing. And I don't see say we mean Mark and I, but just as the collective California surf population. Sure. And, um, and that's how that film started more evolving. It's like, well, okay, who in each zone do we look up to and enjoy their styles or like as people? I mean, that was almost four years of work. So you can also choose these things on like, who do you get along with and want to yeah. hang out with and do this? And, and, and inversely, who's going to put up with us? You yeah. Know? Uh, which I'm sure is you, you could get an earful from any of those guys about putting up with us. But it, it's just that process, you know, and you start kind of meticulously laying it out. And for one California day, I was looking at each region and trying to find people that kind of represented, you know, maybe different things or different takes. And, um, and yet we're also good surfers and could highlight, you know, yeah. the amazing surf California has. We got all the way to the Oregon border, but, you know, there's not much surfing shot between, you know, the the top of California all the way to, uh, you know, San Francisco, really. So it's, uh, it's a big state. Sure. And people don't really want to be shot up there anyways. That's a good point, <laughs> so yeah. There's a little bit of that as well, Yeah, you know. Trust me, I paddle out of Malibu now when there's 200 people and I hate myself for putting it in these surf films. Sure, take some of the blame. I had somebody <laughs> yell at me about something with surfing because it's in one of my movies and I was wow. like... But, the, you know, that's part of it, I guess. You totally. Put, you put it out there and... Yeah, know. yeah. Um, you talked about it was important to have Daisy Shane in the first film. And then obviously um, Lauren Hill, I think, is the female in the current film. Was there a female in One California Day? I don't remember. N- not as a focal character. Um, I think Joe Curran's wife grabs a wave. Oh, and, okay. Um, yeah, and we had talked about it, and we, we, we had talked to a few people, but, you, you know, you just – you only have so much screen time, and it's already a long movie, and so yeah. it's hard. You start making tough decisions, Cuts, yeah. you know. And um, – and yeah, that would have been nice in retrospect. It probably should have been a priority, but um, yeah, I, I am. I look at that film now. I hadn't seen it for a while, and someone put it up at a party, and I was like, "Oh, this is some good stuff in this movie." Yeah, yeah, it's complete without <laughs> without the female presence. Still, it's um, for listeners who don't know uh, the cast of Surfers are Tyler Hatzikian, Alex Nose, Dane Perley, Devin Howard, Joe Curran, Joel Tudor, the Malloy brothers, Tyler Warren, Lance Carson, Tom Curran, Mitch Abshear, Jimmy Gamboa, Jeff Johnson. Is there anybody else that I missed? Well, and then you have little cameos by Greg Knoll and, and oh, okay. uh, Lance Carson and Skip Fry. And, yep. um, you know, and, and we sort of tie them to some of those people you just mentioned, which was why, um, you know, some of those people were important people to have because they did have those sort of connections. But some I, um, of those people are connected to everybody in the surf industry. Yeah, well, that's you true, know? too. Yeah, it's true, too. But, you know, I think. It was one of those things, and sometimes you just get oddly lucky on these, where we we captured a time where this transitional thing had been happening and was still evolving, 
and people were kind of embracing writing different things and and you have Alex Nose and Tyler Warren who've really kind of made names for themselves right it's still sort of in their world of just messing around mm -hmm. you know I think Alex still messes around which is the beauty of Alex he just has fun but Mark and I look at it now and you know now it's everywhere you look you see a California Bear logo or a, you mm -hmm. know and you've got uh, big brands like Hollister and, and these things that weren't really happening then. Hmm. So it, it was an interesting timing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think neat for that movie that it, it got done then and can kind of just capture that moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, let's talk about Bella Vida. That kind of leads us into Bella Vida, I guess. What, how much time did you have down in between one California day and Bella Vida and what was the impetus for Bella Vida? It was, um, one California came out seven, seven Oh seven. Okay. Fun date right here at the El Segundo high school. We screened the, the premiere. Um, and so we started talking about Bella Vida 2011. So it was a pretty good break. Okay. You know, and, I really didn't take much of a break from Singleton Yellow to One California Day. I kind of jumped right into those two, and they were both four-year projects almost. So it was 10 years of my life where that's all I was doing, which is a horrible business decision. It's like, yeah. you know, um, opportunity costs, right, being in the, the marketplace, making sure. a paycheck. But, um, but, you know, I love doing these things. It's the thing. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a drug or whatever, but when the lights go down in a theater and you get to see an audience, you know, go on these journeys. I love that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was always thinking I wanted to do another one as much as I maybe haven't wanted to do another surfing project. I like surfing too. And when you're making these movies, you're behind a camera. So that's, I would say <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. You know, I talk about masochistic. Yeah. I, I think the people who've done surf films, I, I, I don't know if the viewers remember that as much as they should, but like these people are sitting there watching good waves all the time. Yeah. And it takes a certain personality. Um, and, uh, and, and with Bella Vida, I think I was at a moment where, I was working on commercials mm -hmm. and um, working with a neat group and doing a lot of fun stuff with the Malloys and, and some super cool projects and and was really eager to kind of have my own project, you know, something that I could really sink my teeth into and be passionate about uh, because I was carrying it through from start to end. And that's a lot of people ask me, well, what's the difference between a cinematographer, or a director, you hear filmer in the action sports world? Mm -hmm. a lot. And I, I think directors enjoy taking a vision from impetus to completion, you know, mm -hmm. as best you can. And you need a lot of people to help you often. Um, but uh, I was hungry to do that and hungry to, to kind of push maybe what I had done with the previous ones. Because sure. I, you know, as mentioned with the email about Single Fin Yellow, I was getting feedback from Facebook and emails of people who loved the story element and the characters and the emotional elements and that, you know, they wanted more. And so in not knowing what my next film would be, and I, I probably spent a year or two before even thinking about Bella Vita pitching a couple other ideas. And those were tough times. If you would look back 2010, 2009 money things, sure. weird stuff going on. So people, the people who had invested in my projects were like, wow, I just don't feel comfortable right now doing this kind of thing. And sponsors were like, wow, we don't know what's going on. We don't, you know, so it, totally. it was kind of 
there's a business element as well to when these things can happen. And um, I was on a trip with my wife and Chris Del Moro and uh, his fiance Maggie were there as well. We were in Bali and he and I were just hanging out, surfing, chatting and talking about movie ideas. And we sort of connected on the fact that we both have Italian dads. And he kind of pitched me the idea of doing a film in Italy about this surfing subculture that he started sharing stories of. And and I was interested, but my first response was like, wow, that sounds super niche. I don't know if I Does, can make yeah. that, you know. Sure. Surf films are niche enough. And I'm, I mean, first and foremost with all these things, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, can I just make a good movie, mm-hmm. you know? A movie that non-surfers can watch and get and not be bored by the surfing and surfing right. and, and movies that surfers can watch and, you know, get stoked and enjoy it and right. share it. So as we chatted more, he started telling me about his experiences and his friends and his journey growing up, sharing time between California and Italy and um, his his father and mother separated. And that kind of created two worlds for him as a mm-hmm. kid. And he would live in both of them. And they're very different, right? Italy and California. and then, Completely. And it was then that the light bulb went off like, wow, here's bigger story that could really connect to a lot of people you know kind of about a life journey and the subtext of it is this magic and beauty of Italy and how surfing's permeated into a place that usually doesn't bring much in you know most of stuff in Italy goes out right (laughs) cars and food and you know coffee and you name it wine so um that was when I got excited because it kind of it started checking off all the things that I wanted out of my next film. You know, I still love surfing, but I knew, all right, we're shooting surfing in Italy. So the, the front front doorstep of this movie isn't going to be epic surf. You know, if you're going to do that, you go to Fiji, you go to, yeah. you, go, you go, you know, sure. So how can we make a good movie and, and find story and, um, you know, take the audience on maybe a a different experience. Mm -hmm. And that's what really excited me. And I was lucky that some friends here locally who are um, one who supported my other movies and two are commercial producers and good friends thought it was a neat idea too. And kind of as a team said, okay, how can we figure out how to pull this off? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think what I'm really proud of as we've been screening it in theaters that the challenge I said to everybody is, hey, can we do an intimate documentary, but bring back my love for David Lean, like make it feel more like a big cinematic experience, you know, that'll play in movie theaters and, you know, have that sort of grand feeling to it. And and that's when it got tough, but fun, too. Sure. Uh, and with that, it was my director of photography, Scott Kasanoff, who shot water on Singleton and One California Day. He said, let's shoot 35 millimeter film. Let's just raise our bar. Mm-hmm. You know? Let's push ourselves to take on more. And um, it was a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But I'm really glad we did it. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What are the strengths and limitations of shooting with 35 millimeter film? It's, I mean, first and foremost, it's just bigger, you know, for those who don't understand film. Yeah. I mean, 35 millimeter motion picture would be the same as in an old 35 millimeter still camera. And the 35 millimeter is, the name is because of the size and 16 is smaller and super eight is smaller. And just to run that film through a mechanism, the machinery is bigger or smaller. And the 35 gear is big. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went, it, it just, it's, it's hard to even explain, but it just gets big. Like the batteries are heavier. The lens is bigger. You know, the tripod's sturdier because it's got to carry all this weight. So when I was set up on a beach with that thing, it was pushing probably 150, 60, 70 pounds as a unit. Mm-hmm. And I was basically solo. You know, once I set up, the guy helping me would go help Scott and Scott was swimming and that was yeah. it. That was our team. Sure. So I'd be like, wow, I'd love to move the camera down the beach. But I don't know if I can get it there. Right. <laughs> so what are the benefits of it then? Well, because it's a bigger negative, the image quality is, you know, it's truly superior. It really is. I think pretty much anyone in motion pictures will still say film has this magical quality and especially the way it photographs water, you know, mm. it handles lights and darks really well when you run at high speed there's just a fluidity and warmth and i think soul is an awkward word word but nostalgia and that's something i like as a theme in my movies yeah so it really plays well to what i enjoy doing story-wise mm-hmm. um and i would think in particular with this story with yeah chris's story and italy is being the backdrop and all that absolutely it would lend itself you know? even more and, you know, with with single fin, it's like I use the, the same Bolex that Bruce Brown used. I, I'm always kind of thinking about my place in all this and paying homage to my heroes, you know. Yeah. And, and in, in One California Day, it was Super 16. And, you know, I, I think um, McGilvery Freeman and those guys did some of the best, you know, 16 millimeter surf films ever. Yeah. And Mark and I really look up to their technical. And you're right. Shooting Italy, we're like, wow, all these... Italian filmmakers and, and Italian American filmmakers who I've looked up to, it's like, 
this is <laughs> got to take it playing serious. with the big boys. Yeah, totally. you know, but I want to be totally fair that the HD world has caught up quick. Yeah. And when we're doing commercials, it's, it's rare we, we get to shoot film or mm-hmm. choose to shoot film. And we use some cinema HD cinema cameras on Bella Vita as well, because it's just, it's quicker, it's easier. They were smaller. And so yeah. it was finding that mix between how do you do it? And, and my goal was always just visually that it, it felt like one thing. Like okay. I didn't want the audience to ever be like, Oh, that's that, or that's that, you know? And yeah. So it's how do we best, tell this story and um that friend i mentioned earlier who helped me transfer the film here in hollywood that's his job on big movies like he's the point mind between all the formats that come in so on any given you know i think the hobbit may have had a gopro shot in it when they're in the barrels holy so it's like on any given movie there's going to be a red camera and an alexa and a you know cine alta and then you've got all the guys just making stuff in the computer that yep. needs to look like it came through a camera. Right. So there's that's his job. They call him an image scientist, which is kind of a rad title yeah. for a job. <laughs> but it's that's the world we're in, you know? So yeah. as a director, it's great. It's like, well, what what paint do I use off my palette to best tell this story right. or, or, or for this shot, you know? And I think film for a long time has been the best, you know? Yeah. Number one media, I guess, of choice for me with the stories I've been telling. I don't know if that'll be forever but it has been with the first three who were the surfers in Bella Vida so it's it's really Chris Del Moro's story okay and he's um he's our thread we follow him to Italy and through him we meet his friends the people close to him so there's a few guys in Italy who are not pro surfers they're just passionate Italian surfers uh Nico Pinzaluti a winemaker named Pier Giorgio Castellani who really helped this project happen introduced us to a lot of the ancillary players in the film and um and then chris brings over some friends early on dave rostovich is his best friend so dave came with lauren hill and uh chris's fiance maggie and that was sort of the first part of the of the movie as they tour and um and those guys weren't able to stay the whole time so chris journeys out we meet a few more characters we learn a bit about the history of italian surfing uh, these two crazy brothers named uh, the Fracas brothers who literally, as the story goes, and there's also Alessandro Forte, one of the first surfers in Italy. These guys, Italy was so secluded from surfing in the late 60s, had no idea that surfing existed. Oh, my gosh. And so they weren't looking at magazines or hearing about anything, but they were seeing waves. I mean, there's definitely waves in the Mediterranean. Sure. And so they almost went through this journey that we've read about happening, you know, much, much earlier in modern surf uh, history. And so they they were playing around with riding doors and mattresses and finally kind of having the wherewithal to figure out how to make surfcraft. So that part of the film also really captured my attention in wanting to do it. I was it just was something I couldn't fathom, like, oh, my gosh, in 1968, 69, these guys had no idea that surfing was a thing, but figured out a way to do it. You know, yeah. It's fascinating. And the fracas, that's very much their story. Forte um, saw a board that a GI had brought over from Hawaii. And he went on this whole journey to try to copy it because he got to try it once. And so there's a couple. Is there film that exists of that time in their lives? They have still photos, yeah. And the fracas went on. Once they kind of dialed in surfing, they actually took a lot of Super 8 film. Okay. We focus really on the beginning, which was hard from a filmmaking standpoint because there isn't a lot of imagery. But 
there's some great travel imagery and they were, you know, they're, they're just surf stoked. Yeah. You know, even though they were Italian and they, it didn't take them long to realize, Oh, if we just go over to Buritz and Hossiger <laughs> and they told a great story. It's like they got there and they couldn't believe what they saw. And they're like, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. There's a whole thing. There's a, there's a store filled with surfboards. Like they just jump light years. Ahead. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, and then, so that's another part of the movie. And then Chris is joined by, uh, my nephews, Connor and Parker Coffin who are, um, my father's 100% Italian, so that's their grandfather. And they came along with Leonardo, Leonardo Fioravanti, who's been making um, a big splash in the surf scene as a you know pro junior. Sure. And he's from Rome. So mm-hmm. he's like the real deal of the next evolution of Italian surfer. And, and Connor and Parker, for me, were kind of the outside looking in, but represented this youth culture who had surfed with Leonardo before and uh and um <laughs> now you can come on in you got people coming in saying hi yeah it's all right this is the first of your films where you've had kind of young high profile heavily sponsored short borders involved in it um how did that influence the rest of the crew on the film I mean the other surfers that were on the film and the end product of the film itself I told them all to take the logos off, but they didn't like that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it it was different and um, it was fun because, you know, Connor and Parker are my nephews and we're a close family and um, it was just a joy to have them there and they have a great energy. And I think that kind of rippled effect. It kept Chris a little more, you know, it. We had a tough time getting waves. I mean, that should be mentioned. Oh, okay. So more than anything, I mean, Chris and Dave had a run, you know, I think it was 38, 40 days where we really tried to get some epic surf and we just sort of kept getting skunked on the epic day. Okay. And locals would show you a photo and be like, Jason, this is this is the best day ever. And you'd see, I mean, it'd be epic. You'd be, oh my gosh, like it's yeah. Indo, but this was 1984, you know, <laughs> one day it's like, oh. Jesus. So it, it was it was tricky. It was like I I probably didn't think that through. It added a lot of stress because I wanted to see these guys in good waves. I wanted to get them in good waves and show the world that Italy can be epic. And and Italy was challenging. We had a lot of rain and wind and, and just, you know, there was swell, but it would just not be right. And when you're burning film, you're counting the dollars go out the window. So it there was a lot more stress on this movie on various levels. And, and that part was stressful. And I think when, when Leo and the coffins came over, that was stressful too, because they're used to showing up and scoring. You yeah. Know, that's their job these days. Totally. And yeah. I they was have like, things pretty dialed. Very dialed. They don't waste any time. No. And so it's like, wow, can you guys kind of hang and let's just experience this place. And so I was a little nervous on how, they would react. Yeah. And it wasn't always easy, but they, they did well and they ended up scoring a couple of the best days in the movie. So they, nice. they, they brought the swillow with them. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> did they draw any extra attention to the project? Yeah, I, I would say they, they, they definitely did. I mean, Rasta, I think a lot of people still look at as one of the best free surfers in the planet. Yeah. And he has his own, you know, thing of influence totally and and the young guys do as well and what was neat about italy is so often you know we talked about california not wanting to shoot north of san francisco because people don't want to show it the italians wanted us there they wanted these guys to score like they're so passionate and so wanting to be considered 
worthy of the 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 global surfing sure world right yeah and so i think the idea and i'm probably not speaking for everybody i'm sure we pissed off a few people here or there but sure. for the most part people were so helpful and taking mm. us to their beach and showing us this swell model or what this place could do and so that was cool and then just since the movie's been done the influence these young guys have is is great you know the surf yeah. magazines want to be a part of it and want to talk about it this this movie definitely has more of an imprint on probably being a movie than any of the other ones did right like, that was a very weird phrase but it's like you said nobody really knew about single fin yellow when it came out it just kind of was a slow burn and really one california day was as well mm -hmm. people don't remember that but it they both kind of came out and we did the screening tour, but we didn't have big marketing budgets. We didn't have sponsors. And so mm -hmm. it, it, it had to be a word of mouth thing. And luckily people have embraced them and, and kind of been passionate about them and that's helped them grow and, and now yeah. be, you know, movies that are sold throughout the world. So it, it will be interesting how that affects Bella Vita's release. Yeah. I, I have no idea what's going to happen, you know, because it, it's a different, type of movie mm -hmm. so it's got more exposure but it's very different <laughs> so um talking about the waves specifically where did you surf in italy geographically and uh is it going to become a surf destination you know <laughs> after the movie comes out or i well i think it will you okay because i think it i think it already is for some people okay um i just went we just premiered the movie in rome and i got to surf in seven days, I surfed five days in Tuscany, you know, so it, it's just very hit or miss, you know, it's windswell. You don't know when okay. it's going to happen. You don't know if it's how good it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely waves and, you know, we were home based in Tuscany. So that was kind of where we started. And from there you can get North or South fairly easily. Um, Chris is, and I have been as well with other projects, I guess, you know, we don't want to deliver this movie with a map. It's of like course, it's yeah. it's there, you know, for you to find it. And you can have your own adventure. But um, it's definitely that that area between, you know, France, Spain and Italy is where these big storm systems start. You know, the wind starts honking and it's fast. I mean, within an hour, I saw the sea go from dead flat to eight foot chunky windswell. Wow. It's amazing. It's an mm. amazing display of energy, actually. Mm. And the trippy thing is whatever storm starts that windswell, you know, and maybe it happens even further down, you know, from uh, the top of North Africa, um, as it comes up and sort of makes its turn around and gets over land, then it switches offshore. And so the same system that started the windswell often grims it. And it's okay. like you're looking for that perfect window between the two. Yeah. And as you can imagine, because there's rarely storms stacked on top of each other, as it grooms it, it also kills it. So you're really searching for these finite moments. And then within that, okay, what stretch of beach should we be at for the best you know, right. possible potential to get good waves? And it's maddening. I mean, it is maddening because I found shooting California one of you know the most fruitful surfing destinations around that as soon as the cameras come out, Mother Nature is going to be fickle and sure. throw challenges. Yeah. So you put yourself in an already challenging situation. And right. I um I literally cried a couple times making this movie. Really? Yeah. Maybe oh, that's no. the Italian part of me, but tears were shed. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about production schedule a little bit. Um, you alluded to it 
the other projects being four years long. And you just mentioned this one that Dave and Chris were had like this 40 day window. Super condensed. Yeah. And that was, I mean, again, go back to show business. It was a business decision for myself. I'm like, I can't take years off to do this. Yeah. I got to get back to making commercials and, you know, trying to feed a family. So I looked at this as an idea and said, okay, we can go and we can find a story, you know, in a finite amount of time and how long can we get the surfers there and all that. And it was really scary for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I ended up staying there 108 days consecutive. Yeah. I stayed the whole time. Chris was there almost that whole time. Okay. Uh, I just stayed a few days longer than him. And, um, you know, we only rolled film, I don't have that right in front of me, but I, I want to say 10 or 12 days. Okay. You know, like all wow. the days were like, that's good enough that we're going to roll a bunch of film. You know, maybe there are bits here or there. And you're, are you shooting digital some of the other times? There's a little bit of digital. Just okay. like, okay, I'm going to cover my ass. Right. You know. Okay, gotcha. Um, but I, almost 100% of the surfing, there might be a shot in the movie, is captured on film. Gotcha. In the finished film. Right. But you're right. You start, you know, and the head game of kind of a – a three-man crew was that when we were off in the sticks and we were a couple times it's like okay if it gets good and I burn x amount of film but then the next day is better I can't get more film like I'm mm. in the middle of nowhere and we don't have money to buy that much more film so you just start playing these crazy head games sure which um it was I had a lot of insomnia while I was there it was it was a very stressful production for me and you know you just kind of go with your gut and in the end, it all worked out, as most things do in life. I guess yeah. that's the lesson. But it was an intense time. You know, Dave and Chris were there, their run. And then the Coffins and Leo were there for a shorter amount of time. I don't know exactly, but it might have been around 20 days. Um, and I'd always hope they'd kind of all be there together. Yeah. And it just, you know, these guys are so busy now. It, it's hard to get them there at all, mm-hmm. you know. And so we were blessed that even within the finite times they were there that we got what we got. Cause we ended up getting some, I think pretty good ways. Yeah. It's, um, we talk about this platform of surf film or surf video or whatever, yeah. and kind of ev- everybody lumps everything in together, even though it probably shouldn't be, mm. you know, like this obviously is properly referred to as a surf film, but, um, there's web edits that are two minutes long right. and then there's, surf 45 minute videos or DVDs. Um, I don't know how to differentiate. Like there almost needs to be a new term for each thing. Subcategories. I've made up my own. I see if I can think of them. It's, it's like surf, surf movie, which I think is more the 45 minute, you know, traditional, uh, the thing that Taylor Steele shined at, you know, and, and we see a lot of now kind of on DVD. And then there's, um, the surf documentary, which to me is more of like writing giants or some of these biopics that have been coming out right. that are very surf kind of documentary focused and, or at least documentary focused about surfers. Yeah. And then you have what I call the experiential surf okay. film or documentary, <laughs> which I think is where my work kind of falls yeah. in. And I, I feel the Malloys have done that well with yeah. broke down melody or thicker than water where you're, experiencing maybe more emotion than just surfing and action, sure. but maybe it's not a, a hard hitting doc about, you know, guys smuggling stuff or whatever, but there is more of a narrative to it. For and sure. there is a little more of a narrative or at least maybe segments, you know, yeah. that are narrative driven. 
And, um, and I, then you're right. There's sort of this web edit world of short form that, you know, is kind of almost like skate movies. It's like the yeah. hottest trick. Yeah. As fast as we can get it up. Totally. You know? Which and has value too, though. Absolutely. You know, it's like I enjoy that, but... It pushes surfing. Yeah. You know? But you're, those guys posting those aren't going to be getting emails about them in five years from guys watching them well, and, and this in Iraq. Is, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. And maybe it's... I mean, a lot of stuff's ego-driven, and maybe my ego, you know, li- it likes that part of it of hearing from people and feeling like, I'm okay, I'm making somebody happy sure. or whatever, and so I'm going to do this type of thing. Um, you know, an interesting example is um, my nephews, the Kaufmans, do their Young Wise Tales right. vids. And they're a little longer form, but they post them for free, you know, mm-hmm. and they have insane action. And um, part of me is like, guys, you're ruining the, my business model here. You yeah. know, you're just giving great stuff for free. Instantaneous, and, uh, too. You know, Connor on Black Beauty, that session at J-Bay. Yeah, Highline. I remember talking to... Chris Malloy and we're like, God, I wish that was shot on 16 mil and was the end sequence in a rad movie, you know, because it would, it, to me, it would feel like it would be more permanent, you know? And, and I don't know who's to know what the future brings. Um, maybe everything posted will end up somewhere in its own pertinence and maybe everything on DVD is going to be obsolete because we don't have anything to play them on. And so, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. One thing that Dan Malloy pointed out in that last conversation was, um, kind of as the Instagram culture grows, the surfer's journal has more value, Yeah, you know, and, and there's always the threat that print will go away because of digital, but maybe that's not going to happen. Maybe the reality is, is that that hottest trick of the day web clip just builds a broader base of the triangle, but the top of the triangle will always be dominated by something of substance that took time to curate and cultivate, you know, and, and I don't know either, but that could be. Right. I mean, it's definitely undefined, but you know, again, I think good stories will prevail and um, the journal always seems to to have great stories. Right. Right. And amazing imagery and surprises and, and, you know, surfing and surf movies, it goes back to the campfire story. You know, Mm -hmm. it's sitting around with your little community of like-minded people sharing stories. And that's just, that's humanity. We love that element, I feel, as people. And and so as as long as people continue to tap into that, I think there'll be a place for for all these things. Right. Um, And, you know, the stuff in the moment, it we're all becoming very ADD. That's the hard part. Totally. I hear myself answer these questions and I'm like, gosh, I'm getting ADD because your brain starts going in 20 different directions. You talked about a Connor Coffin's Highline video that they posted. And I remember seeing that come out and I thought Connor Coffin at J Bay riding the black beauty. I'm in. And then I realized it was 18 minutes long. And I was like, wait a second, maybe I'm not going to watch this because I don't have 18 minutes of my day to commit. You know, ultimately I ended up watching it, but I don't know, kind of to the bringing it back to Bella Vida, I think I'd rather spend the 11 bucks to go see the screening tomorrow night and take myself away from my computer, go sit in a theater with like-minded people and enjoy this communal experience. Yeah, and that was my goal, you know. That's why we lugged hundreds and hundreds of pounds of large 35 (laughs) millimeter cameras. (laughs) And I'm in therapy for my bad back now ever since because it – it, and the movie's a lot about community, so I would have been unfair to even the story I was trying to tell 
to say this isn't a great way to watch this movie yeah because it and my parents you know god bless them they've seen it as many times as i have probably and they're they've even said like wow in the theater it's so much it's a different experience yeah it's better Mm -hmm. um and that's exciting and you know it the only way maybe we keep it going is by people posting and, and sharing that they had a great experience doing it that mm-hmm. way and, and to tell other people to not, you know, neglect that. Yeah. Um, I think if we look at music, it's made an interesting turn. You know, media is really visual media has been behind music for a while and music's found out that it is the concert experience. Mm-hmm. It is that creating a moment that seems to resonate more with fans. And, right. Um, the other stuff we can share and it's more quick and as, fleeting. as long as the quality of product is there, because on the flip side during the U S open, I went and watched strange rumblings in Shangri-La, the new globe movie. And I really liked it, but I certainly didn't need to go watch it in a communal mm. environment, mm. you know, yeah, where everybody's getting drunk and trying to, <laughs> and half the people aren't even watching it, right, you know, right. But it sounds like not the best communal environment. Not the best. (laughs) But I liked the movie, and it's like I would have enjoyed it at home. So as long as those experiences that people have where they're actually paying and going to the theater, they're enjoying it, I think that they will continue to. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And I think a lot of people don't see Hollywood movies in the theater because some kid's on their phone. Sure. It's like, I'm at home. I can, you know. Let me ask you this. Um I think that the style of film that you're making, talking about experiential surf film, is that what you called it? Yeah. <laughs> um, it appeals to a broader audience, basically, whereas Taylor Steele's surf movie is going to appeal to surfers who like surfing. Your style of film, I have a feeling my wife who doesn't surf would enjoy it, or my family who lives in the Midwest might even enjoy it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do did you have an audience in mind when you're making the film? I mean, it's always with all of them. First and foremost, I just want to make a good movie, okay. not a good surf movie, but good movie. Okay. Something that could get into a film festival that could be appreciated for its cinematic elements, for its, you know, how it moves people or whatever. And, right. and I feel like if I'm if I'm hitting that mark, then it has potential to to reach that broader audience, as you say. Right. Uh, I I definitely with Bella Vita had in mind because I felt like I'd done something before that really hit a core audience mm-hmm. on certain levels. Maybe it's a different audience than Taylor hits, but mm-hmm. people who are into what I'm into, I guess. <laughs> With this film, I wanted to do something that was broader. And right. I made a lot of choices that scared the crap out of me while we were doing it on on what that would be and how, how you do that, you know? And am I going to alienate any given one, you know? Because when you right. walk that tightrope, it's a death wish it's like am I just gonna piss everybody off right <laughs> you know and and I I guess I can sit here with you and, and feel a little relief in that we've done so many film festivals and the feedbacks come and we've been lucky enough to win some awards that it seems to be connecting with certain audiences sure you know and I feel like if if I can connect with a few people here and there then I know that there's more people not not everybody's gonna love it but right. if a few people do then okay good like right. hopefully they have friends totally so you know it it it, I think first and foremost is a movie I hoped would play as a movie. And I actually don't even like calling it a surf film. I think of it as a film about surfers, Okay, you know, uh, whether it's an experimental, experiential documentary right, or a documentary right. or, you know, because even my documentary style, I set stuff up and create set pieces that I can use to move the story along. So 
a true, you know, my film school teachers, the documentary ones would probably raise an eyebrow at some of my techniques. Right. But again, it goes back to that thing. Like if I'm going to work in long form, then let's push what that is, you hmm. know, narrative doc. Is it just entertaining? You know, mm -hmm. can I for 80 minutes or whatever it is, just be entertained. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of, been my take at this point you know yeah and i'm kind of my first audience so i have to go off of my gut like okay you know what i really like that and not everybody might but i'm gonna leave it in because right. i'm moved by that or i find that interesting and you know you kind of you, you live or die by that sword but yeah if you're not sticking your neck out if you're not trying something new then what's the point exactly i, mean, I don't want to keep rehashing right you know um What's the distribution model? Uh, we kind of talked about it a little yeah. bit, but I mean, the film's been done for a while and it's been screening for a while, yeah. but it's not currently available <laughs> for purchase. So yes, talk uh, to me. Oh gosh, it's been, everything on Bella Vita has been a little difficult and working out the distribution has been part of that. And so I apologize because a lot of people have been patient, but the film's doing a day and date global release on uh, September 16th. Okay. So we're currently in a theatrical mode and uh, at the website Bella Vita film.com is getting updated regularly with screenings that are popping up all over North America. DVDs are pre-sale available. Mm -hmm. And on the 16th, you can digest it. And hopefully, as I said, everywhere. So there'll still be screenings in theaters. Uh, you can actually request a screening. I if, saw that. If, yeah, which it's this company called Tug, Tug.com, which I think is neat for independent filmmakers. And Anyone can request a screening. You just have to get a minimum amount of people to, to reserve a ticket for the theater to say, you're a go. Right. So it's kind of user generated and it's but a really they request thing. request the screening at mainstream theaters, yeah, right? It's, it's not like we'll host it in our backyard. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So you can go on and, and through our website, there's a couple of links and it'll say, you know, put in the town and then it'll give you a choice at theaters and they don't partner with everybody. But you can even request, you know, your favorite theater if it's not in there. So right. it's, it's pretty cool. And and then it becomes that social media thing where like, hey, we're going to put this movie up if we get enough people to go. And you just rally your yeah. friends, you know. And So if we had a listener in Florida yeah. who it's not screening anywhere, they can just get a group of however many friends yeah. and commit get the theater to commit to it that way. And better yet, Iowa or, you know, better yet, Texas. Totally. Like, I would love to hear stories and get notes from people like, oh, we put the movie up, you know. Yeah, Totally. We're surfers who had to move here and whatever. So we're trying to hit all those platforms and, you know, iTunes and, and all the digital right. will be an element of it as well as far as, you know, also just through our own website. So mm -hmm. it's really trying to be everywhere. And the day and date thing is what was really tricky because you're lining up a lot of different moving pieces and, um, you know, trying to get this sort of screening thing going as opposed to doing the traditional tour and people get mad. They're like, why aren't you touring it? But I don't think they think about the economics of it. It's like, hey, bro, that means I got to rent out 10 theaters at three grand a piece. And that's 30 G's I do not have right now because I just made a movie. You right. know? <laughs> so I'm sorry. I would love to tour it, but we don't have a sponsor putting up 30 G's. Yeah. And, you know, so it there's there's an economics to it all as well and, and a limitation on economics. And so you just try to do the best thing for the movie, but it's, it's tough and it's sometimes it's painful because you're like, Oh, why isn't this thing out? You know? For sure. Well, um, is it economically viable 
to make a movie like this is a good question, I think. I mean, reflecting on one California day. For all my investors listening, of yeah. <laughs> course, it's going to be huge. No. But I mean, you're reliant upon DVD sales, ultimately, is what it comes down to, right? Well, it, And digital sales. Yeah, but that's the thing. So Single Fin and One California Day were really built on a DVD model where the margins of profit are, are greater for the filmmaker because you're selling this thing that... You know, in the end, the one in the shop right here that sells for 30 bucks, the shop's doing their markup. Right. The distributor's doing their markup. On that 30, maybe there's, depends on your deal, but anywhere from six to 10 bucks going to the filmmaker, you know? So that's already a third of all that money the consumer pays. How many feet of film does that buy you? How oh, much? <laughs> <laughs> not, not even a roll. I don't know if you could get Tom Curran going from Indicator to the Cove at Rincon <laughs> with that, that profit. So it's, it's really tough but that said that's the way we were able to do it for a while and when I say we it's a lot of guys you know and gals and so now you have this digital element and on one hand there's no investment in the product because we should mention of that money the filmmaker gets you're already making the DVD and the case and all that right Um, now you can post it there's a little less overhead once the movie's done to get it on a digital site for download but you're still sharing the profits with a distributor and an aggregator in this world. But you have this new World Wide Web where if 20,000 units used to be good for a young kid making his first movie, you know, how many more could you maybe reach now because of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter? You know, I I love what Tin Ojeda is doing right now with his expensive porno movie. Okay, I don't know. (laughs) So he's been shooting 16 and, you know, God bless him. He's just like, this is what I want to do. And it's, you know, Al Nost and and a bunch of those crazy guys. And um, and it's just raw and it looks cool. And and he's his first copies. I think he's selling himself and he's printing them on his computer just at home, you know, and just like it's Hmm. it's it's like embracing the where surf movie making began, which is you know, Bruce Brown, those guys touring stuff around themselves. Right. And it is a shame we've kind of lost it. And maybe that's where we need to go back to. Maybe it is four walling it, but it's taking it out with a projector and a van and mm-hmm. charging people 10 bucks. But I can't do that now at my age. I think that's a young person's game. Yeah. You know, and uh, you're right. It's undefined on what something like Bella Vita can do, you know, yeah. Um, you look at uh, Art of Flight, the snowboarding film, that yeah. had a big budget, you know. One of the big brands was behind it, I believe, an energy drink. But um, they did something like 100,000 downloads the first weekend. Holy you know? cow. Those are, you know, that's... Was it free, though? No, that was iTunes. They were they hit, selling hit it. They hit a huge... And someone's probably listening, and they're going to say, you're full of crap, that's wrong. But that that's what I heard or read. Yeah, so yeah. I'll put that caveat out there. But, sure. you know, if you can do that... So then all of a sudden it's like, wow, okay, you know, now we're starting to see some real income coming in, whether, you know, that's through a download purchase, a yeah. rental's even less money. Yeah, yeah. So it's scary. It, it's a volume game. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that hundreds of thousands of people in Italy want to see this. And, you that's know, true. And a few in it's Australia in- and a few in Japan, yeah. a few. In, and and we'll see. But um, Single Fin Yellow and One California Day both made their money back and then some. Good. They're considered successfully selling titles in the surf world, but nobody's getting rich off of making sure. surf films, you know? Sure. Uh, the reason I do it is because I love it, and it, it helps me be a director. It helps me direct commercials because I've been involved with these things. And, right. it, and that is what I would say to a young person who wants to do this kind of work. 
there's a lot of talented people and a lot of competition and you do have to figure out ways that you can bring attention to what your vision is, what your style is, you know, and if that means going to making a surf movie, cool, or maybe it's something else, but you, you do kind of have to find ways to separate yourself. Right. As we know, there's a lot of just noise we're hit with every day, you know, completely. And, um, so it's tricky. Um, couple of kind of closing questions. Is there any one story that maybe you've been tracking or that you're aware of that you would like to see told? Or, yeah, and, and the bummer is I, I answered this to someone else and I don't think it got published. The, the funny thing is I thought after the answer, every time I talk about a movie I want to do, it gets made by somebody else. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, or an idea even. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But um, it's funny. I, in listening to the podcast with Dan, he, he actually struck on something that I was pitching fervently um, before making this movie. It was really the movie I wanted to make. And it, it was a film that I won't get into too much detail on, but it would have embraced all the stories of a lot of these older guys and kind of points in surf history that there's still people around that can talk to us about. Right. And uh, as Dan so eloquently put, we're losing a lot of these people, you know, and, and um, Donald dying not that long ago, it was just like, oh, you know, and and that, that hurts me because I, I have such Takiyama, a... for the listeners yes, who didn't listen you. to that episode. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these are such influential, special... Um, people and voices and contributors to where surfing's at now that it, it would be fun to f find a way to do a, a film where you could kind of get some of those stories on, you know, mm -hmm. it, and not even just for the finished cut, but know that you had all those dailies to be archived exactly. forever, you yeah. know? And, uh, I had an idea that I thought could tie it all together in a kind of a fun way. And it just, in the end, you know, I had mentioned it was a tough economic time. I think that hurt it more than anything. And another project that sounded similar at the time was getting made, and we play around with that in our world a lot too. It's like, oh, did you hear so and so's doing something just like that? And you're like, right. oh crap, you know? Yeah. Okay, can it? Totally. But uh, in the end, I don't know if that other project came out as close as we thought. So who knows? Maybe it would come back. But I'm kind of at a point where I'd love to do something that had no surfing in it, yeah, and, uh, and then just get to surf for fun whenever I want to sure. as well. So is there any, do you have anything lined up that you're going to be working on next? Are you taking a little break? Uh, I, I'm doing a commercial soon uh, with a brand that I've worked with before, which is super fun. You know, it's kind of that same collaborative energy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's um, a, a motorcycle company. So that's kind of fun. So you get to play with some toys and yeah. light up the motorcycles. And um, I love motorcycles. There's a motorcycle in Bella Vida, and who knows, there might be a, a film in my head about a motorcycle as mm -hmm. well. Maybe. Maybe. We'll what, see. What about, I know um, you talk about food playing an important role kind of in this film and in your life and wine as well. I read something about you considering importing a wine that you guys were making in the movie. Oh, you got me. Yeah. yeah? This is really is that This is really fun, actually, and it is kind of my next project, but... um. We are releasing Zio Baffa wine in the U.S. Um, the first container sold, I think it's going to be in Texas, actually. Really? We're waiting for the next container. But as I found making the movie, the Italians don't do anything in August. They all go on vacation. So okay. we were supposed to have wine for all these premieres so people could check it out. And uh, everybody's on vacation. So the next container will probably be in in September. 
And um, I think this thing's going to be around. So if people, you know, go into their store and see it, check it out. Because the fun thing is the red wine is literally the grapes that we harvest in a scene in the movie. Right. And the whole impetus from the wine came out of this relationship with Chris and the winemaker. And we had so much fun. And this winemaker, Pier Giorgio Castellani, uh, he's fifth generation, I think 110 or 12 years of winemaking in his family in Tuscany. But he surfs. He's like this young, you know, 45-year-old stoke guy. Right. And he said, wow, you know, now that the movie's done, we had such a good time. Let's have another project. Guys need projects to stay close, you know. Let's have, hmm. let's have something cool we can sink our teeth into. And that was sort of the impetus of Ziobafa. So there'll be a red, a Toscana red, and a Pinot Grigio. And they're 100% organic, which was really important to, to Chris and I and, and kind of the ethos of Bella Vida. And... Um, you know, it's just this fun, fascinating thing. So on the last trip to Italy to screen the movie, I spent a good week with Pier Giorgio in the winery, learning more about wine, what he does. And, um, you know, he's producing stuff biodynamically. A lot of stuff Dan was talking about that he saw in California, yeah. Dan Malloy, in his podcast. And, and I think it's it's neat to celebrate these people because it is a little extra effort or it might cost them a little more to produce in that way. But I think Dan's right. It's... um. It's important for us to know where our food's coming from. And, and, you know, his line is like, hey, my family lives in the middle of this vineyard, you know. So if the if I'm using pesticides and whatever, I'm exposing my kids to it, you know. Yeah. So it's it's um, and specifically with agriculture, it's like it will deplete the land for your kids and yeah. they won't be able to farm it uh, in the future. Exactly. So you know, a yeah. lot of those wineries, especially in Europe, have been producing that way. By default, for a long true. time, the pesticides are a new thing, yeah. you know? No, it's very so. true, you know? And and so it's been fun for me because I think part of the reason I love surfboard, you know, builders is because it's a craft and filmmaking's a craft and winemaking's a craft. So I'm always just kind of lit up when I get to talk to someone who's passionate about their craft. Mm-hmm. And, and I enjoy learning about the process and the subtleties and how you can take things one way or the other. So... Uh, it's exciting. I don't know if having my name on a wine bottle is going to better the world in any way, but uh, <laughs> it tastes pretty darn good. That's and, solid. I mean, Chris has actually said, I, you know, we truly think because of the organic nature of it, it, it actually doesn't tweak you as bad. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. to promote, you know, indulgence, but if you happen to be indulgent and you're drinking something biodynamically produced, it tends to be a little easier on the system. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely less additives. I think they do have to add something for import, though. Some yeah, sort of well, sulfite. You always have to do some sulfites, yeah. you know? And um, one of the neat things is that we've done, I mean, the bottle's partially recycled. The paper's FCS certified, so it's sustainably harvested. The glue's biodynamic. Like, we've really tried to Crazy. take steps to make it special. And we're introducing this helix cork, and it'll be the first twist cork. Okay. So reusable twist cork, if you can envision that. Kind of like a champagne bottle, but mm-hmm. you can put it back on. Screws on and off. And what's fun about that is it's a little more eco-friendly than a silver twi- or a, a aluminum twist cork. Mm-hmm. But also the cork itself takes up the air between the wine and the, the seal. Mm-hmm. So you need less sulfites because the sulfites are really in there to combat any oxygen in, in sure. the bottling process. So there's all these little ripple effects that are yeah. kind of neat. So it's wild. You see it and it's like, wow, this cork just twists on and off it's a trip that's awesome. i think there'll be more wines soon after us but yeah the winemaker was excited to to kind of try something new and uh that's awesome you know why, why not right um i would think if 
figuring out the distribution stuff is difficult, that importing alcohol would be <laughs> even more yeah. difficult. You surround yourself with very talented people. Yeah. And I have some friends down in San Diego, surfer. Uh, and uh, yeah, their company Sage is helping me. And okay, it's, uh, cool. yeah, but it, it has been surprising how much energy it takes, you know, like launching a movie and a wine all at once. Yeah. But yeah. Those guys are doing the heavy lifting. I'm, you know, right. Chris and I are front men. And cool. <laughs> um, final question. What was the last board that you rode personally? Mm, I rode uh, the Tyler hairpin, which is something he has been working on with Devin Howard. Oh, okay. And I just surfed that yesterday, a little South Swell running uh, this week and more on the way, right? Totally. Um, so it's a 7.6 and um, it's fun. It's the shortest board I've ridden in years, actually. I've been mm. on all longer boards mm -hmm. and... Um, and I'm really bad on it. I'm trying to like yeah. <laughs> keep up with my nephews and it's just embarrassing. <laughs> right. Um, where can people purchase pre-order and learn more about the film? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Bellavitafilm.com is definitely the hub for um, all the info and you can pre-order right now and there's screening info and you right. can even request hosting your own screening. So it's kind of fun. And we're on Facebook, right, right, uh, right. Bellavita film. And, you know, that's the one thing I will ask the audiences, those who've seen it maybe already or want to see it. It's your voice and kind of sharing it with other people or what will help this thing, you know, grow. And if you enjoy it, then please let your friends know because uh, that'll help us keep making them. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. This absolutely. is awesome. A lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
or wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever app that you download on your phone for podcasting, you can find us there. And if you are on our website, we also provide a lot of ancillary content related to every show. For example, with this, we have production stills from behind the scenes of Bella Vita. We have the trailer for the film and just some other cool stuff. So definitely come to our website and check it out. We also have a playlist of all of the music used in every episode of Surf Splendor. The music for this episode was provided by Jason himself. The opening track was from his original film, Single Fin Yellow. And this track you're listening to now is the theme for Bella Vita. Also, if you do listen to the show in iTunes or Stitcher, make sure to rate and review the show. That helps other people to find our show, and it also helps us to grow. So you are our only form of advertising, and if you like what you hear and you want to invest in the show's future, simply share it with a friend, and we'll continue producing quality content with interesting people producing interesting work like Jason Baffa. So it's easiest to do it on social media where you can find us at Surf Splendor. That is all the business I have for now. We thank you as always for listening to the show. This is David Scales saying until next week, ciao.